0: Hey, friends, welcome to Tuesday morning, Tuesday day, whatever time of day it is for you, May 16th, and thanks for joining me for Enough for Today. We are off and running into a new week. I hope you have a good day today. We have a full day of meetings and getting ready for our new church budget, so there's a lot ahead for me. I don't know why my throat is uh, kind of clogged up this morning, but I can feel and I can hear something going on in my throat, so forgive me for that. Uh, we are in Psalm 78, and I want you to join me there, and uh, this is a long psalm. It's one of the, it's the second longest psalm, and it's it's full of history. It's telling us the story of the nation of Israel and the provision and protection and the love, the deliverance of God. So we see this contrast unfolding in this psalm, and I want to point out something before we proceed forward from where we left off yesterday, and that is verse 7, uh, that They might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. So here's what the psalmist is doing. He says earlier in the Psalm, I'm going to open my mouth. I'm going to speak the words of God. I'm going to show the generation to come the praises of God and his strength and his wonderful works. I'm going to show them the testimony, the witness that he's established in Israel and the laws that he's appointed because I want the next generation to know God. I want them to know the mistakes of the previous generation and I want them to choose instead to set their hope in God. So the very purpose of the psalm, it's, it's a teaching mechanism, but it is a way of handing off, handing forward the faith of one generation to the next. And it's a way of looking back on a generation that didn't follow God and teaching the next generation, don't do what they did. Don't be that way. I'm pushing this forward to you so that you might set your hope in God so that you might live out of contentment and trust in him in following him and trusting his provision And so then the psalmist begins in verse 9 explaining um, this relationship of pursuit, where God pursued Israel, and Israel kept pushing back and rejecting and denying. And it's really a contrast of kingdoms because he begins with the children of Ephraim, verse 9, which is the northern kingdom, which split away, broke away from the unified nation of Israel. We talked about that last week. The southern kingdom, Judah, uh, stayed in faithful for the moment, uh, and we're kind of on and off as well, and eventually they went astray, but the idea here is that the psalmist is writing from the perspective of the southern kingdom saying, let's not do what our forefathers did. Let's not do what Ephraim did. I I preached Sunday on uh, the flourishing life, God's formula for flourishing, and I kept using this statement that um, the road or the life of flourishing, everybody wants it. Everybody wants the destination of the fruit of obedience to God. But very few people will really embrace the long road of wisdom and obedience. A lot of people will lay down on the altar of immediate gratification or uh, immediate resolution to their, to their demands. A lot of people are driven more by their uh, emotion and by the needs of the moment by by their short attention span it takes a very different kind of thought process it takes a very get different kind of deliberateness to look at the long road and say where do i want to end up and what are the where where do the decisions that i'm making right now where do they go where do these decisions lead and so looking forward choosing the wise path, choosing the, uh, the slow road, the long road, the narrow road, choosing, there's a book written years ago to teenagers called Do Hard Things, choosing the road that might be harder in the short term, but in the long term, it's the road of blessing, it's the road of wisdom, it's the road that God unfolds with flourishing. So my friend, this is the example before us, is that Israel is on and off with God and they're driven by their immediate lust, their immediate demands, their immediate discontentment. Instead of trusting the long view, the long story that he's writing in their lives. And they provoke him, provoke him, provoke him. And eventually he responds with chastening or with judgment or with wrath because that's who he is. He's a righteous God. Um, he will not always strive with man, he said. Uh, Though his mercy endures forever, at some point his justice must step in and deal justly so that those who have chosen his mercy can receive and can experience that mercy. So we're seeing this this relationship play out in the history of Israel, but it has so much to do with our lives because we tend to play the role that Israel played. He's so good to us. He's so faithful to us. He's so providing to us, for us, and yet we still fall back into our own lusts, our own desires, our own discontentment, our own complaining, our own murmuring. Day to day, we tend to to be who they were. So we left off uh, somewhere around verse 16, 17, um, 18. Let me let me pick it up there. He brought streams out of the rock, caused waters to run down like rivers. Yet they sinned more against him by provoking the most high in the wilderness. They tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust, food from their desires. Yet they spake against God. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? He can bring water from a rock, but can he he just materialize food? They're just taunting and scorning out of their doubt and discontentment and murmuring. Uh, behold, he smote the rock that the water gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? Therefore, the Lord heard this and was wroth. So a fire was kindled against Jacob and anger also came up against Israel because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. That's where we landed yesterday. The, The judgment of God was the result of unbelief. They chose not to believe God. They had plenty of evidence, plenty of supernatural intervention, all of his presence they could ask for, and yet they chose to disbelieve. And out of that disbelief arose judgment. Though, verse 23, though he had commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven and had rained down manna upon them to eat and had given them of the corn of heaven, the food, the grain of heaven, man did eat angels' food He sent them meat to the full. You know the story of the manna coming down every day, just enough for today. But on on Friday, they would get enough for two days so they didn't have to gather on the Sabbath. And every day, God provided this food. And yet still, they were discontent. Still, they murmured. Still, they complained. He sent them meat to the full. He caused an east wind to blow in heaven. And by his power, he brought in the south wind. He rained flesh, if you remember quail, also upon them as as dust and feathered fowls like as the sand of the sea. And he let it fall in the midst of their camp and round about their, I mean, he dropped, you talk about DoorDash, he dropped food every morning right at their tents, like the sand of the sea, let it fall round about their habitations. So they did eat and were filled, and he gave them their own desire. They were not estranged from their lust, yet they they, they refused to be contented and and full. But while the meat was yet in their mouths, the wrath of God came upon them and slew the fattest or the strongest or the healthiest or the choicest of them and smote down the chosen men of Israel. For all this, here it is. They sinned still and believed not for his wondrous works. So we're going to park here for today. But here's what I want to encourage you with this story that's unfolding. God is good. God is good. God is good. We see this over and over and over. God's goodness. God's love. God's presence. God's power. God's direction. God's provision. And for all this, they sinned still and believed not his wondrous works. The human heart. The fallen heart is bent on unbelief. It is bent on discontent. It is bent on murmuring and complaining and griping. And my friend, I encourage you today to choose the life of faith, to choose the life of belief, to choose the view that looks at every challenge as as a new opportunity for God to come through for you. To choose the road that walks forward in faith and trust and belief and reliance and dependence and says, well, I wonder what God's going to do now. Choose the life that operates out of contentment. I love how God is guiding me, how God is providing for me. I choose to be content with what God's doing in my life right now. That is the life of belief and that is the flourishing life. We'll pick it up here tomorrow. Happy Tuesday. Have a great day.